Thanks for tuning in this week to Cross Connection Church Houston. We're a small church plant located in the Pasadena area. It is our mission to save the lost, to equip the saved, to serve both the lost and the saved, and finally to send the equipped. To this end, we teach through the Bible on a verse-by-verse basis, starting from the beginning of a book and working our way through all the way till the end. It is our prayer that you would grow in the knowledge of Jesus Christ through his word. Tonight, I have the privilege and the pleasure, twofold there, of being the one to share. We're going to talk about worship, so if you have your Bible, I hope you brought it because you're going to need it, so we don't have a screen for this. Um, we're going to start in Genesis chapter 4, and as you're turning there, I just wanted to pray real fast. So, uh, Heavenly Father, Lord, we just... Uh, Lord, we're here to learn from you, God. We're here to allow you just to speak through your word because we're listening, Father. And I pray that um, you would teach us, Lord, as we uh, just look to study on worship, Lord, that you would uh, speak through me, God, and just be your words, Father, not my own. And I pray that um, what is said, Lord, would just be truth, Lord, that they would just be coming from you, God, and um, you would just use it to bring us closer to you, Lord, and just impact our lives, God. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So we're looking at worship tonight, and uh, you kind of got to start with the definition. Worship, I have found, I kind of made up this definition, I would say is the giving of highest honor, devotion, respect, fear, and reverence to someone or to something. Um, And so it's more than singing. I think that should be kind of the first thing said is because when we hear worship, we immediately assume, oh, like there's going to be a church service and there's going to be someone you know, leading, and then we're we're gonna like sing along, and that's worship. Well, that's part of it. That's a picture of what the Bible says as worship. But there's a whole like gamut of things. So if you're taking notes, um, here's just some quick references. Worship can be song. That's uh, Psalm 69, 30 through 31. It says, "I will praise the name of God with a song. I will magnify Him with thanksgiving, and this will please the Lord more than an ox or a bull with horns and hooves." Uh, Hebrews 3, 13, 15. Through him, then, let us continually offer a sacrifice of praise to God, that is, the fruit of our lips that acknowledge his name. So we have song. Another um, form of worship in the Bible is prayer. Um, reference for that would be Psalm 141, verse 2. Let my prayer be counted as incense before you, and the lifting up of my hands as the evening sacrifice. Um, you could also reference Rev- uh, Revelation 5, 8, where they pour out a bowl, and it says that this was the, the prayers of the saints, and it was a sweet incense to God. There's also money in Philippians 4.18, and that was the Paul, the Philippian church had given money to Paul to support him, and he said, the gifts you sent a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. Um, 2 Corinthians 9.7, each one... Again, that was 2 Corinthians 9-7. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Um, Romans 12-1 talks about giving our bodies. There's something else that we can offer to the Lord. So um, in, in the Bible, you just like automatically have songs, you have prayers, you have money that you, is given, you have our bodies. Uh, Psalm 51 says a broken spirit or humility 
is counted as sacrifice before the Lord. That's Psalm 5117. It says the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. Oh God, you will not despise. So right off you... When you open the Bible, you find out that worship isn't, it isn't just a, a time where we sing to God. It's a time of giving something, someone. It's, it's, it's more than just song. And so when we look at Genesis chapter 4, which is where we'll be for the majority of the night, we'll be looking at some cross-references because I, I think those are great. Um, you see that right away in Genesis chapters 1 and 2, you have creation. Genesis chapter 3 is the fall of man. And then Genesis chapter 4 is where we're at. And right away you see the first thing that people do is offer worship to God. So let's read. Genesis chapter 4 verse 1 says, Now Adam knew Eve, biblically, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain, saying, I have gotten a man with the help of the Lord. And again she bore his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of sheep and Cain a worker of the ground. In the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground, and Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat portions. So the Bible presents two different classes of men. It presents Cain and Abel, right? Two, two separate guys. And instantly the first thing that they do that we see after a man being kicked out, after a man being cursed, is having children, which is what people do, and worshiping, which is kind of along the same Things that just all humans do. So the unbelieving world, they have, you know, celebrities they worship. They have spouses. They have, you know, sports teams. They have organizations. We're not pointing fingers at anyone wearing jerseys or anything. <laughs> they have states. Um, but so we worship things as unbelievers. But as believers, we ultimately need to realize that our worship goes to God. And that when it comes to worshiping the Lord, as we're going to see here, that there are worship sacrifices that God accepts and that God rejects. There's things that he finds pleasing and there's things that God doesn't care for. Um, and so uh, the Bible talks about that too in Romans 1.22. I'm not going to read it, but it's the, they exchange the truth of God for a lie and they worship the creature rather than cre the creator. It's a cool verse if you want to look at it, Romans one twenty-two. But so the first point for tonight is there's going to be three S's, and the acronym that you can remember is, right, three S's. Um, the first thing when it comes to worship is that God has a standard, that God has a standard. So look with me to Genesis chapter 4. It says, in the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground, and Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock in their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, but for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. So Cain was very angry and his face fell. The Lord said to Cain, why are you angry and why has your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is for you but you must rule over it. So when it comes to us worshiping biblically, we come to worship God through the Bible. That's, that's like the only, the only way that we know of God, that we know what he declares and what he desires. So both men bring their offering to the Lord from their pres no, professions, but we see God accept one and God reject the other. 
Why is that? Well, let's look at the offering. Cain is a worker of the ground. He's a farmer, right? He's, he brings vegetables and fruits probably. Abel is a keeper of the flock, right? He brings sheep and sacrifices them. Both men brings offerings to God. And we see in Leviticus that a grain offering is acceptable to God as well as a, an animal sacrifice. So both sacrifices God would find pleasing at later times in you know man's history. They're both acceptable to God at later times. So why, why does one get chosen and why does one get rejected? Well, I think it's interesting to note that when you look at the whole picture of sacrifice in the Old Testament and the New Testament, that the blood that is accompanied by a sacrifice always represents atonement. It always represents God covering and God being merciful because of shed blood. Um, as Hebrews says, without the remission of, without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sins. And so when you look at the sacrifices, what, what seems to be the case is that Abel brings his sacrifice to God under the covering of blood with the understanding of Lord, like I, I need something slain and I need your blood. And you kind of see that in Adam and Eve when they're first kicked out of the garden, that God covers them and he does it with the skin of an animal. He, he slays an animal and that's kind of the first time you see any sort of um, atonement. And so I believe that Cain and Abel would have recognized that there needs to be something between me and holy God. You know, they could probably see like the, the garden where they were kicked out of with an, you know, an angel with a, a fiery sword. And they could understand that I can't go there. And so they offer this. And I believe that the lack of blood is really the, the thought maybe of Cain presuming that he and God were on maybe the same level that, that when he offers his sacrifice, that he can come to God and just give him grain. That's um, kind of one idea. And so a standard, first off, that we see in the Bible is humility. You know, that God is human. Or, well, he was human, but that God is God. He is holy, but we are human, that he is righteous. And we're wicked, that we're sinners. And so the first picture we see is that the blood through the Bible, that God is holy, that his standard is who he is. What does he reveal himself to be? And in any time, I would say as it relates to music, just because I, I do the... The guitar, as it relates to music, I think that when we come to worship with song, I think that the songs we need to sing are songs that God would desire, songs that are biblical, that are true, songs that are clearly portraying God for who he is and clearly portraying us for who we are, but are more focused on God and are more, um, I guess, angled towards God, and they're not vague. So I have a challenge for for y'all, just right off on our first point, which is God has a standard. That's our first point. Um, and that challenge would be that if, you know, if as your worship leader, as your music minister, if there's a song that, you know, we sing and, and you're like, what the heck is that saying? I don't see any scripture that backs that up. I don't see any, like, I, I don't know what the song is talking about. Then bring that, you know, bring that to me, bring that to the team, bring that to Matt. You know, we want to have a biblical reason, a standard that we bring all of the songs ultimately to, that we can say, well, this, this song is truth, and, you know, here's verses that back that up. Or, you know, you're right, this song is kind of vague, and like, you know, this is the air I breathe. Well, what is the air I breathe? Like, your, your holy you know, presence living with me. Not that it's a bad song, but it, it's, it's portrayed in a way that it's, it's vague. And so 
I guess my heart is that the songs we sing would be very clear and very open communicating who God is, who Jesus is. Um, and so also on the flip side, if you see a song that you don't like, let me know. But on the other end of that is if you have a song that, you know, you want me to, to sing or to lead, I, I love to check out songs um, that y'all bring me. Sometimes I'll, I'll do them and sometimes I won't. And there'll be a variety of reasons. But feel more than welcome if you think a song is accurate. Just know that one of the first things I do when someone brings a song to me is, you know, look at the words and see, well, what, what does this say? Is this, is this good? Is this wrong? Um, and so, yeah, I want to bring it all back to a standard. So our first point in the worship of God that we see through Cain and Abel is the standard that God will accept something and reject something based on who he is, how he reveals himself, and what he ultimately um, is asking for when it comes to worship. And I think a, an illustration that kind of presents this is, um, uh, does anyone know who Mr. Bean is? I think we had looked at him last week in church. I love Mr. Bean. Um, but there is a, a sketch where he's dating this girl and he, you know, he talks all awkward, but they're walking down a street by a, um, like a jewelry store and it's near Christmas time. And in the window you have, you know, this, they're like choosing gifts for one, for one another. You see, um, this jewelry store and the girl is like, Oh, falling in love and points to this, you know, this guy and this girl, just a picture of him. And, you know, she's like holding a ring and she's like dazzled and he's, you know, on one knee proposing, and she's like, like pointing like, oh, I, I want that, you know, and, you know, she's telling him openly, like, this is, this is what I want. And so he's like, oh, you know, and they walk on, it shows him come back and go into the store, whatever. And then like the next day is Christmas. So you see, um, they exchange gifts. She gives him like a battleship or something, but he, <laughs> he, uh, gives her the, he gives her a, a a package, it's like this, and it's thin. She opens it, and it's the picture that she was pointing at that he gives her, and she, you know, starts crying because that's not what it was, and he's, oh, and pulls out a little box, right? Opens the box, and you just see the, the gold ring, pulls it out, and it's the, the nail to hang the uh, the picture. It's not a ring, it's the nail. But I, I think in the same way that, you know, we have we have a textbook of what God desires for worship, and, you know, we want to be careful not to give him something far less of less value. Secondly, I think the, the second thing that we see from the Lord in this is that God desires that worship that we bring to him would be sacrificial. So the first is standard, which is the Bible. Okay. The second point is that God desires things that would be sacrificial. When we talk about sacrifice, uh, we're not talking about a noun that is something that we do or a verb, but we're more talking about the adjective of sacrifice, meaning something that is costly or weighty. Cain, as it says in verse 3, brought an offering from the Lord or to the Lord, an offering of the fruit of the ground, where Abel brings an offering of the firstborn of his flock and their fat portions. Right away, you see two different distinctive verbs. You have Cain's offering being um, sorry, um, common, it just being a generic offering from the fruit of the ground. But when it comes to Abel's offering, you see that it's the firstborn of his flock. 
it's uh, the fat portion, which would be the like the choice portions of meat. And so you see that Cain's offering has not as much value and Abel's has more depth, has more cost to it. It's something that was more valuable to him. And that's a, a theme you see through the Bible where God accepts worship that has skin in the game for us. In Mark twelve forty one, it says, And he, this is Jesus, he sat down opposite the treasury and watched the people putting money into the offering box. Right, so Jesus is in the temple, he's sitting down, and he's just watching people put money in the offering box. It'd be kind of like if, you know, Matt or someone from the leadership was watching, like, people tithe and, like, counting the money, right? It's kind of weird, kind of awkward, but whatever. Jesus is there to make a point. He says, many rich people put in large sums in the offering box, and a poor widow came and put in two small copper coins, which make a penny. And he called his disciples to him and said to them, Truly I say to you, this poor widow has put in more than all those who are contributing to the offering box. Well, in our minds, we think, well, no, that's wrong. Like this, you know, this Pharisee's dropping like dollar bills in the offering box. He's, you know, putting real money in and the widow's just putting in pennies. Like there's a difference in the value. But what Jesus says is it's not the, the value, the denomination that matters, but in relation to the worshiper, what does it mean to them? He says, truly I say to you, this poor widow has put in more than all those who are contributing, for they out of their abundance have contributed. They have so much they're giving, and it doesn't mean anything to them. They're just giving to give. But she out of her poverty has put in everything that she had, all she had to live on. When it comes to worship, God doesn't want something that doesn't cost us anything. He wants something that means something to us, something that is close to us. You know, if your worship costs little, it's going to mean little. And if it, you know, costs you nothing, then I think, honestly, a lot of it will mean nothing. Secondly, in 2 Samuel twenty four twenty four, we have another picture of this where David says, I will not offer burnt offerings to the Lord my God, that which cost me nothing. Right? He doesn't want to give something that doesn't mean anything to him. Um, and I think in the context that David is, in that moment, he's commanded to give. But it also shows that the, the gentleman that he was buying the land from, he had offered it to him. He said, David, you can have this land. You can do whatever you want with it as a gift. And I think for, for many of us, if, if someone had offered something like that. So God commands us to to offer a sacrifice. God's like, hey, I want... Um, you to offer a sacrifice, and you're like, okay, God, and you go to someone and they're like, yeah, I'll give you the land. We would think right away, well, that's that's God opening the door for me to have something to sacrifice. It, it's not going to cost anything. This is perfect, you know. If you go to someone's house and they're like, hey, you can have this free meal, and I mean, in my in my mind, it's like, oh, awesome, right, free meal. But David's not like that. He's okay. Well, I could, but it, it wouldn't mean anything to God, and it wouldn't mean very much to me if I took it. So David chooses to pay. And I think in the same way, when Abel offers a sacrifice of his firstborn, of his fat portions, of the, the choice meat, that God sees that and he sees, all right, well, Abel is willing to give something that matters to him. And Cain is, you know, just going to give. It's not wrong to just give, but it doesn't have the same weight and the same value. And I think that God definitely loves a cheerful giver, but a sacrificial giver as well. And uh, I guess a challenge that I have in my life 
is that when I wake up and I have to go to work early, I do really well in the mornings. Like I when I as soon as like when I wake up, I'm I'm awake. And then as the day goes on, I get tired and more tired and more tired. But in the morning, I'm like, I'm like good to go. And I think that God um, wants me to to wake up and give him that time. And it's, I mean, it's a sacrifice. It really is. When I wake up and I know that I have like two hours till work, my like natural inclination is, oh, well, I have an hour to sleep. I'm going to go back to sleep. But I, I think that God wants us to give him that which costs us something. And so... Uh, a personal challenge I have would be to give him that time because it, it does mean more. Um, I don't know if that is for y'all, but I'm just letting you know that sometimes I don't pass that challenge, but I'm trying, and that's, I think, where it all starts. So, The first thing we've looked at with God and his sacrifice is, can anyone say? And what is that standard? The Bible. I like that. Recall. The second thing that God... Um, season a, a service or a, an offering is sacrifice and is it a, a verb is it an action or oh it's an adjective that's right it describes the sacrifice given very good glad y'all are still with me Alrighty, now this last point um well let's just keep in mind that the next hour and a half is going to be a little bit dry for this last point so <laughs> buckle down just kidding it's not going to be that long um but I think the, the final reason that we see God um, rejecting the worship of Cain is, yes, it didn't cost him anything. Um, yes, it was without blood. But I think it's kind of the, the major motive is that Cain's actions don't match up with his sacrifice. And we'll, we'll see this um, in the Bible. So in 1 John 3.12, I'm going to read it. You can turn there if you'd like, or you can write it down in your notes. It says, we should not be like Cain, who was of the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own deeds were evil and his brother's righteous. Also, in Genesis 4, verse 5 through 7, it says, But for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. So Cain was very angry and his face fell. The Lord says to Cain, why are you angry and why has your face fallen? And what does God say to Cain? He says, if you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is for you, but you must rule over it. Um, the Bible, whenever it talks about Cain, is always in a negative light. Um, in Jude, it talks about him and it, it kind of puts him with uh, Korah, like a guy that rebels in Exodus, and with Balaam, basically, who teaches the Israelites to stumble, to, to fall away. So it, it always puts Cain with this group of um, shenaniganizers. And, but Cain is never seen as, as righteous. He's always seen as someone who um, was a wicked man, was of the evil one. Um, and so he's painted as evil. And I think that when it comes to worship, God truly greatly um, desires sanctity in the worshiper. He desires someone who is offering something. Um, with their hearts way before he's offering something with their lips. And so when Cain um, brings a sacrifice to the Lord, uh, I think it might just be peer pressure. I, I don't know why he would because it's not weighing anything on him. It's not valuable to him. It's just something that he's doing. But so Cain was not, he's not righteous. He's of the evil one. 
he wasn't seeking to glorify God in his mortal body, but it, you know, Abel was. Abel is in Hebrews eleven, chapter four, declared as and righteous Abel, you know, by faith offered a more valuable sacrifice. Um, but I, I just think it, it paints so clearly to the fact that God sees the heart, that God looks down and sees us, you know, as, as we are, as, as humans, but he looks beyond um, what everyone else sees, and he sees, well, where is this person? Are they living in such a way that they're truly trying to worship me, that they're truly trying to glorify me? As I mean, as Romans 12.1 talks about, with therefore offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, and the first adjective that describes that is holy and acceptable to God which is your reasonable service, or some translations are spiritual worship. The mindset of, are you, are you giving to God with your life before you're giving to God with song? And I, I think it's funny, when you look at um, just passages in the Bible that portray this kind of empty worship that's given, um, it's, just, it's very descriptive. And so I wanted to read one from Amos 5. Um, this is verse 18 through 24. It's, it's the Lord talking, and it says, I hate, I despise your feasts, and I take no delight in your solemn assemblies. It's, it's the assemblies that he set up. It's the ones that he has called for for the nation. It says, even though you offer me your burnt offerings and your grain offerings, and even though they might be done in the right way, Continue with me. It says, I will not accept them. And the peace offerings of your fatted animals, I will not look upon them. Take away from me the noise of your songs to the melody of your harps. I will not listen. It's, it's strong words. God's saying, I don't want any of this worship that you're bringing to me that I've um, set forth as a standard. I mean, God had declared the worship that he wanted, and they were fulfilling it in part and in as a front but the reason why is it says, but let justice roll down like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. Basically, they're bringing God, you know, their, their best. They're on the outside. They're worshiping him with the way he wants on the outside. But the inside is they're wicked. They're not practicing justiceness, justice. They're being unrighteous. So God is saying, I don't, I don't want that. Um, I don't know the verse. But there's a, a verse that says the same thing. But th th the main point being that when God looks at us, he wants something holy. He wants something acceptable, given. And then he wants what he's prescribed. Then he wants something that he desires. So when Cain gives his offering, we see that it's not in the way that God desires because Cain is not being a righteous man. So I guess my hope that when we gather as a body, that we would offer um, songs of thanksgiving and praise to God that, that he desires, that's accurate, that is according to the, the way that he's prescribed, that we do that while living lives that are sacrificial, that give him the best parts of our lives, that give him, um, I would say, the time that is probably most valuable to us, that we offer that to him. Um, and may we never offer to God with our lips that which first doesn't come from our lives. I think that worship to God should be according to that standard of what does the Bible say? 
does it mean something to me? And am I living in a way that, you know, backs this up? I have a hard time uh, singing the song I Surrender All just because I, I don't want to lead a um, a chorus of that with with the thoughts that I'm, I'm not doing that. Like, I don't want to declare it and say, I'm surrendering all, you know, all to Jesus I surrender. But that's not what's, you know, that's not what's going on in here. Um, and so I, I would just challenge you guys to, to, to look at w- what does the Bible say about worship? Am I living that and am I um, bringing that to him? And then as it relates to the, the music, you know, if there's something that you don't agree with or something you want to talk to me about, let's, let's talk about it. I think that would be a good thing. Um, well, that was really all I had. I kind of planned on keeping it a little bit short for the sake of, we already heard a, a good sermon this morning. But I was thinking we could end in a time of worship. So if I can have the two guys who musically help us up here, that'd be great. And uh, we will pray out as they come up. Um, Heavenly Father, Lord, I just thank you, God, for um, you being just worthy of our praise, Lord, for you being holy, God, you being righteous. Father, I, I thank you that you can allow for your word to be what we live our lives off of, Father, that though it is um, written a long time ago, Father, that it still accurately rings true, that it still portrays what you desire, Lord. It still says what you find acceptable in worship, Father. And so I pray that um, we would come to you, Lord, through Jesus Christ, Lord. You say no one comes to the Father except through me, Lord. And I pray that we would just be serving you, God, worshiping you with our lives and um, choosing to, to sacrifice and choosing to give you that which costs us something, Lord. Father, we love you, Lord, and we thank you, God. Have your way tonight, I pray. Amen.